weekly travel program, Jet Sitting with Janet, is proudly sponsored by MLT Car Hire and Tours. Are you looking for a highly professional, established vehicle rental service? Look no further. MLT Car Hire and Tours delivers on service excellence and competitive prices. Log on to mltcarhireandtours.co.za for their full range of benefits or MLT Car Hire and Tours on Facebook. Are you looking for a highly professional established vehicle rental service and a shuttle service where client satisfaction is a priority? Look no further. MLT Car Hire is committed to delivering quality low mileage vehicles to suit your budget. MLT Car Hire also specializes in mini and long leases for individuals and corporates as well as staff transport and airport transfers with offices at the airport and in the Helderberg area. We are proud members of Satsa, Fedhaza and Cape Town Tourism. MLT Car Hire delivers on service excellence and competitive prices. Log on to MLT Car Hire and Tours for our full range of benefits or MLT Car Hire and Tours on Facebook. Today's lineup is very unique and exciting. From music to dining, entertainment and theatre, we have four very special guests on our show today. Michael G and a renowned DJ, Chef Shane introducing his amazing culinary fusion skills, the gifted and extremely talented Barry Hilton, who was considered one of our national treasures, and Bongani Maseko from the Johannesburg Theatre Company, talking to us about their latest show offering, Konene and the King. Join me as we embark on this cultural journey through several creative industries, bringing together unique, homegrown South African talent. So uh, the nice and exciting thing is that uh, even before we could, uh, with great abandon, kiss people of all different colors, I had a white cousin called Barry Hilton. And the wonderful thing about Barry is that he's been able to traverse so many different communities and so many different genres. So uh, we know that he's that down-to-earth person. He's easy to work with. So I'm very excited to say that, uh, you know, when I say that Barry has been the fiber of all of our childhood years, I'm not revealing how old he is. I'm just saying that he's, he's like a Hindu god. He's omnipresent and omnipotent. <laughs> and he's many more things than just being a comedian. I've seen him at very fancy corporate events, and uh, he's an award-winning and internationally renowned comedian. And he's been working in this space for over 40 years. I'm very excited to introduce everybody to Barry Hilton, who is now a resident of Hermanus. So welcome, Barry, and what a pleasure to chat to you this morning. Well, fabulous. Thank you very, very much, you know, for asking me on the program. It's really cool. Yes, I am in Hermanus. Um, my wife and I actually came here by accident, actually. Uh, you must never, anybody out there, anybody wants to offer Sandy Hilton anything for free, she will take it, okay? <laughs> so... We were offered a four-day stay in one of the hotels in the Monas. So Sandy said, oh, we, we, we're doing a little tour. Let's go there. And then we fell in love with the Monas straight away. And nine months later, we were living here. So that was a good call for me because, you know, I was doing a lot of overseas work at the time. 
and uh, working obviously working a lot in Joburg and Durban and things like that. And it made sense uh, for Cape Town Airport because it was much more accessible, much more flights all over the place. Yes, direct time, you know, to make yes. a plan. So it was great. But uh, we've been here for nine years and it's fantastic. But I didn't read the small print. We actually got a we got a, a contract from the DA to come and work here. We didn't know actually. So they they paying for my my child's school. They, we got a free house. <laughs> they give me a they give me a Porsche Carrera. But I didn't read the small print. I'm Do the first tell. reserve. Is... I'm the first reserve for the whales in case they don't come. Ah, uh, I see. Well, that yeah. sounds like a happy trade-off to me, Barry. Yeah, yeah. Would be nice. Too much. No, we came in our own free will. We love it. It's just like people say to me, "You live in a monus." Yeah. It's not too bad a thing. Yeah, Barry. well, I can speak Welsh, so it's I can a, talk to the world. It's an blessing to live in Hermanus. Oh, absolutely. And it's about it's a 45-minute drive for us from home, and uh, we yes, head in that direction with wild abandon for yes. any silly reason. So um, wonderful to live in a space where people come to experience tourism and watch whales and, you know, world-class restaurants. Oh, and very much to lower their blood pressure without the help of medication, for sure. Absolutely, it's a harmonious is great. We love it. I'm so look, glad. We have a little boy; he's about to turn thirteen. He goes to a really good school here. Mm-hmm. Very sort of open-minded, focused school called uh, Generation. They're Montessori-based, but they actually transition into the uh, Cambridge curriculum. So that's fabulous. Yeah, it's like a very fun. Wonderful. So, Barry, there are so many dimensions to you. Yes, ma'am. I'm sure that uh, people who watch a show go away thinking, oh, funny person. But the point is that uh, you do corporate entertainment and you've got a new show called uh, No Hanon's Bry. And I'm very interested to hear what that show is all about. Um, That's not a show. It's a set of T-shirts that I've made. It's a joke I made called No Hanon's Bry. And it became... It became a. Uh, I've got t-shirts. Okay, t-shirts. Great. That's what it is. But my show was. It was one of the uh, parts of one of the shows I did because all of my shows are actually ad lib. Mm-hmm. I don't have any set uh, routine for my shows. I can't do that because I'm not. I can't remember those things. So funny enough, I, I talk about that. You know, I have, a, I have a keynote speech that I've written. I was just talking to Michael earlier about it, that uh, COVID changes the whole world around, you know. Um, during COVID, I, uh, it was great for me because I, I, didn't, I didn't have to, to push myself to be the best, the fastest, the biggest selling, the, uh, the brightest. So I just realized, hold on a second. COVID brings everybody down to earth and we're all normal people. And it was actually a blessing in disguise for me because we, I work less, I'm triple happier and uh, we live almost the same as I was living when I was jetting around the flipping world, paying stupid amount of tax and stuff like that, you know? But uh, so I wrote a few platforms and one was a platform called Cousin Approved, which actually came out from a Nochonon's Bry. Mm-hmm. I make videos of people. They've got product. And I do, I, I do little sort of review videos that are in a plus side. 
I make them funny about their serious product. And then I give it to the people and they use those videos on their social media. Okay. So it's like an online store that you've created and then you create the content around it. Just uh, zhuzh it up, add some je ne sais quoi, some Hilton. Yes, magic. I make, make that. Uh, and I always end up with da, 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 da. I'd buy mm -hmm. that for my cousin. That's how ah, it started. So that's so why that. called and, uh, Cousin I, Approved. Yes, ma'am. So, Barry, but, after all of these years, you've actually become an influencer. Well, <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Yes. I influence my wife to feed me every day. <laughs> <laughs> I influence my kids to f only phone me once a month because they had a pain in the ass. No, I'm gonna uh, my kids <laughs> phone me every day. I'm very, very blessed. Oh, how wonderful. Every is day. Very... Yeah, I'm very lucky, you know. I'm very lucky. And, and also, yeah. I've, written a, I've written a keynote speech about my struggles with um, depression. Because believe it or not, a lot of people have depression, depression, dyslexia, and DDHA, ADHD, if you want to call it. Um, I written a whole keynote speech about it, which is, if I may be so bold, it's extremely funny, but it's 100% serious about yes. how you can choose to live your life. You can choose to take a bad thing and live it with that bad memories, or you can choose to turn it around. Like, for instance, one of the things I said, I say in my talk that um, I went through a horrific divorce, horrific mm. divorce, um, because I got the kids, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I say, uh, I found out three months later that my now ex-wife got married to my best friend. That's actually quite true. Gosh. She divorced me and married my best friend. Look, you know, I've never met him, but uh, I send him a thank you card once a year. So, so that's that my my whole my whole course is around that about taking the bad things in life and regenerating yes. it around because it's a choice because uh, happiness brings a lot of joy it actually helps you said blood pressure it helps your blood pressure it helps you relax it you know what happiness closes business deals because mm -hmm. when you make somebody laugh they actually trust you more it's a guarantee if somebody's making you laugh and all that stuff, even though they're serious, you tend to trust those people more. And that's Absolutely. what I show people how to do it. And then from that course, I've developed a, an online course which shows people how to create their own humor. So it's a tool to use with my, with my keynote speech. And other than that, it's a jewel. You know, I have fun. I'm very blessed. I still do comedy. I still go all over. I think, is it sunny? I'm going to Dubai at the end of May. Wonderful. Not Dubai, a Qatar, is it? Doha. Yeah, I'm going to Botswana now again. I travel quite a lot. But my my whole objective this year is to do my keynote speech because keynote talks generally are daytime gigs. So I can at least be home at night, you know? Now, Barry, just listening to you talk about this keynote speech, yes, I think one of the things that COVID taught us is that uh, it's okay to talk about mental health challenges. And we've Without seen a doubt. during this time the pressure that people have been under. We've <clears throat> seen young people uh, who are highly successful, like Ricky Rick, in their lives. And it's, yes. you know, we find it so difficult to accept and so difficult to figure 
What happened? What went wrong? Why? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what it is. It's the pressure of success because the more successful you are, the more successful you think you need to be to maintain that. And it, it becomes a lot of societal it, it's, it's a hamster wheel, yeah. yeah. Yes. So what actually happens is, I'll take, for instance, Robin Williams. He, 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 so some of the movies, the latest movies he made weren't as good as the previous movies. Yes, ones. And then, and then he did a TV series that bombed, and then he was about to go back on the, on the circuit. Now imagine being this global, global, global superstar and having to go back to do club gigs. You know, yeah. and uh, well, I think there's a lot of extra stuff to it that we don't really know, but it was enough to turn him to kill himself. And who would have thought Robin Williams, if you said Robin Williams was a depressive, you would have never. So people do that. Uh, football players, a lot. Um, rugby players, uh, um, players, big, high profile sportsmen actually um, do that thing, kill themselves because they haven't got that drive anymore and it's quite and scary you know, and luckily i stopped before that i didn't I'm, yes. I'm, no i stopped before i even got famous so there we go so much fun to, <laughs> so the thing is that uh, you know my, my talk is about that it's okay it's okay to have uh, depression it's okay to have problems it's okay the only thing you what what is not okay is to ignore it and you must go and speak to medical people and then actually be brave enough to say hey dude i was in clinic for this because yes. funny enough i went to a clinic and um i spoke to a guy a couple of months ago uh, about it and he said to me ah oh, do you remember me from the clinic i said yeah i do remember you he said please and i was about to do a comedy show he says please don't say anything about the clinic tonight and i said to him well i don't really do that but why and he said, well, I don't want people to know that I've got a mental problem. And I said, what are you crazy? What are you crazy? If I said to you now, I've got high blood pressure, you would say, Achman, go see your doctor. He gives you a little, mm. little tablet. You're sweet. Oh, listen, I've got a liver problem. I take these tablets. You're fine. But if somebody says to you, yeah, I've got a problem about depression and and all that stuff, and I've got suicidal thoughts, you sort of say, thank you, nice seeing you, and then you move away. Because Why do you think that is, Barry, that people treat mental illness as stigma? so much stigma, and they um, almost make it feel like it's your own fault? Yes, um, because how can Barry Hilton have depression? How can Barry Hilton do stupid things when he's, suf he's suffering from depression so bad he'll do X, Y, and Z, get drunk or whatever. Mm -hmm. Never done drugs. So, you know, whatever. And I've never been a big drinker, but I'm just using an example. Yes. You know? um, how can that happen? So people can't sort of understand that because they can't see into your brain. They don't know what battles and, and, and fights you've got going on on a daily basis. And sure. here, I'll give you one example. I used it in my talk. I did a show in Cape Town. I've done many big shows in Cape Town. The one particular show was at the Grand West, and I did 4,000 people. Okay, and two days later, we got an email from a guy that basically said, watched your show. It was the worst show I've ever seen. Did you know that I went into 
this dark place. I wouldn't come out of my bedroom for three days. So eventually my beautiful wife, Sandy, said to me, Baz, you know, what's the odds? 3,999 people who were there loved your show. Mm. And one person hated it. But why must you fixate on that one thing? And that's what happens when you have depression. Mm. You don't, re you know, I've been around the world 20 times. I've worked at all the best venues. But that one thing, just, no, it's terrible. So I've chosen to use that as a, as a vehicle to tell people it is okay, you know. It's okay that to is, be a bit of a loser. That loon. is so powerful, Barry, that someone with your kind of gravitas is now saying that yep. because it, it sort of gives people agency to be yep. themselves, which a lot of people don't. I mean, we live in an Instagram culture. Yes. Everything's got to be picture perfect. And uh, to just be real and to do the simple things like the glue that holds us together. Family. Yes, my wife holds me together. circle of friends. You do you know, know you know the first words that people say to Sandy every time, without fail. Geez, he must be a mania. He must be. You, you must have a laugh a minute at your house. Is he? Is he this funny at home? And I'm a normal person. I just happen to have a very good job. I I was happened to be blessed with a talent, and I chose to work that talent because there's too many people out there with massive talent that are too lazy to work it or don't have, you know, the drive. So when I'm on stage, I'm really funny. But when I'm off stage, I'm a family guy. It's amazing. It's, a, it's like being buffeted by a, a special kind of cloud when you're yes. surrounded by family and friends who are invested in you. It really can help you to move mountains. Yep. And uh, I think that we've also started to learn the value of family. You know, I moved out of home at age 23 to live on my own. Wow. And I was the youngest, I am the youngest in my family and the, f the first person to move out of KZN. Um, yes. Having all of us lived within two kilometers of my mom. And it was a very lonely trip for me because I went to an area where um, everything was new. Yes. And, um, you know, there's not much entertainment. There's no family support. And I struggled. I struggled because I was 23 years old, living in a new city, completely overwhelmed with all these responsibilities and yes. traveling a lot internationally in a new job. Yes. And, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about family because just having that support would have made my experience completely different. And you, having traveled a lot, being on the stage, etc. Yes. You know, walking in and out of airports, no one to receive you except maybe a name board. Um, what... Staying in hotel rooms after <laughs> the show. Thank you, that's, hotel rooms. That's I like don't... a jail sentence for me. Yes. You do this massive show, then you go back and sit in your hotel room. It's, it's definitely like going to jail. That's why I think so many big successful people end up taking excessive amounts of alcohol and and drugs and doing stupid things because of loneliness. Absolutely. So, Barry, before we before we end this wonderful conversation with yes, you, I must say it's been a most enlightening one. That's I, uh, I, I, you know, you've given us so many strong messages today. Messages well, about why mental health is so important, 
why families do that. Can I tell you what is very important, if I may, just to... Absolutely. A guy once told me, and I didn't realize what he meant until after COVID. He told me years before COVID. If you want to be the best, you have to take a rest. And that's what happens with too many people. They are so consumed by doing something bigger, better, stronger, that they don't have time for themselves. They don't make Barry time, for instance. Mm. They don't make this time. And that's the start of crap that comes to you because you are, you are under so much pressure that, you know, you think, hey, maybe I'm a failure. Maybe I've done this. My wife, I, I said to my wife about when I that person phoned me and told or wrote, she said to me, what are you, crazy? But that, because I wanted to be ultra successful, that one person spoiled the apple cart for me. So it I, becomes amplified. Massive. It mm. was just like, I can't believe this guy said that to me. Wow. So it's like, but you know, COVID was a great thing for us because it made me realize that the, um, John Lennon, all you need is love. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Now, when I was a youngster, I used to think that was about sex, but it's not. It's <laughs> when we about, were youngsters, we thought everything was about loving people. It's about, you know, I have a couple of friends, including Shane, that I would openly say to you, how's it good? Love you, bro. And it's okay to do that because back mm -hmm. in the days, if you said to your mate, I love you, Jonna, all your friends would go like, there's something wrong with this oak. Mm. But I just give, I tell people I love them all the time. Look, I love Shane because he gives me free food. Let's get real. <laughs> He's on my no, list of new best friends I need to make. No, it's fine. So, yeah, the, the, love you, the love you take is equal to the love you make. And just remember that. If you can't love yourself, how can you possibly love anybody else? So if, you, if, there's, if there's anybody out there listening, and I'm being serious here, that has a depression problem or knows somebody, a family friend or close friend that has a depression problem, they should really go and speak to those people and tell them, it is okay. It's okay. Come with me. I'll take you to the doctor. Let's get you better. There's nothing wrong with that. So people should go out there and, and love themselves first. You'll be surprised at how different your life becomes. Barry, it's been wonderful chatting to you. And Thank I must you. say, you know, it's not just Elton John who can make a remixed version of his music with Dua Lupa. That was brilliant, uh, eh? That was brilliant. Uh, Elton John, Dua Lipa's just infused new life. But chatting to you, I've seen dimensions. You've become a spokesperson for all things mental health, for embracing yes. your gender, for being real in your own yep. skin. And that is incredibly, you know, I'm always a little bit afraid of comedians because they pick on you. And that's why I never said this one. Country. But <laughs> it's just, it's just been so refreshing chatting to you, Barry. I've well, thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. That uh, I never Daniel, knew. Are we getting before. paid for this? <laughs> no, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I no, really you're, paying me for, you're paying me for it. Okay, thank you. Um, very wonderful. And I look forward to having a, a lunch with you at Shane's restaurant. Of Absolutely. Course, the best. When I'm next in Hermanus. The best and, seafood uh, pasta in the world. Wonderful. The best food in the world, period. Yes. But thank you. I, I will let you go to the other folks. Love you guys. Yes. Thank you. Lots of yes. love, Barry. All the bye best. Bye.
Thanks for Bye. making time. Bye. Thank Ciao. you. We're chatting this morning with uh, Shane Sauvage. Shane has spent 36 years of his life in the kitchen and his beautiful restaurant in Hermanus La Pintola has been running for 26, 27 years now, Shane. Yes. Uh, Hermanus, as Janet, has been running for 11 years now. Um, okay. And my restaurant in Pretoria has been running since 95, which is 28 That's years. That's amazing. Year, that is, is amazing. Great. Now, Shane, why do they call you the father of fusion or the fusion father? Well, basically, when I first started out in the kitchen, I started out with doing a sort of a bit of an Italian restaurant base, learning some of the classic French styles, that kind of thing. And then what I'd, uh, I spent time developing my own style of cooking. Um, and those days when we sort of, I would go up on stage, good food and wine show um, kind of vibes, people would be like, oh, you know, fusion, confusion. And that was my, my first book came out, Edge of Fusion. And slowly but surely, I chipped away at... Uh, the critics and uh, I managed to, you know, develop my own style and uh, and and since then, you know, fusion food has become worldwide. It's become the thing, you know. And uh, as the father of fusion food in South Africa, yes, I was the first chef um, to make fusion and uh, not hide behind, you know. Oh, it's actually this or that. I am just gobsmacked. All of these accolades, all of these awards. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, they just getting, keep getting bigger and better. What does that make you feel like on an ordinary day like today, Shane? Well, it's always lovely to hear someone talk about uh, what I've done in the past. It's lots of fun. The 20 years is more like 36 years in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's, it's just, you know, when you fall in love with something and you're passionate about it, uh, time just goes, goes by so quickly. I remember we had the, it was the 20th anniversary of my restaurant up in Gauteng and a friend of mine from overseas, one of my previous employers sent me a bottle of champagne and on the card said, time flies, uh, time flies while you're having fun. So if my, 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 one of my greatest uh, joys in my life is the fact that we moved to the restaurant in Hermanus. Um, we, I did that just sort of after the recession um, in 2009 decided that uh, I've always wanted to spend my life by the sea and life is too short just to be stuck doing something that's not necessarily where you, you know, where you want to be and where you want to live. Um, my mom comes from the Seychelles, so the ocean's got a big place in my heart and, and my blood, literally. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, so we moved to Hermanus and the opportunity came. Uh, I worked on a wine estate uh, for about a year and a half still uh, juggling my other restaurant in uh, in the Himalaya Valley. And then the opportunity came up for a restaurant on the waterfront. And then I grabbed it, you know. Um, the restaurant here in Hermanus has now been open. Uh, we're going into our 11th year, uh, which we've, we're obviously very happy about and celebrating. And uh, it's it's just been incredible. And to be in a venue which has this, like, breathtaking sea view, you know, you never, you, you never lack for inspiration. Um, Jenny... Earlier on in the show, was talking about the uh, the whales and uh, and uh, basically you can you can see whales breach from the restaurant at your table, um, and and Hermanus's nature, oh, the the bay is so healthy and beautiful. There's so many dolphins. Often you'll have huge pods of dolphins coming past, you know. So never a dull moment um, from that side. And for me, the greatest thing about it was also not having to be the live entertainment in the restaurant, you know. You get tourists who get up and clap for whales breaching, etc., etc. So it took a lot of pressure off. So I really enjoyed that. Very happy with that. Um, my, as far as 
my food orientation and career has gone. Uh, I'm now uh, on my third book. I'm busy producing my fourth now. Uh, the third book I actually released in Hermanus. It's called Cape Fusion. Um, and that's had a lot of the local influences, which I shared, and also my passion for the area, uh, the people, and, you know, traditional dishes like Vatabul Miki Briedi with a little bit of a twist, you know, um, things that I would have never experienced if I hadn't moved to the area, you know. Mm, when I first tasted Vata Blomikis, it was like, wow, I've tasted the natural, you know, food of this, this region. Quite a, quite a taste was, explosion in yeah, one's mouth. Absolutely sure. incredible, you know. So, so that obviously led to lots of inspiration. I published uh, another book. My last one was called, as I said, uh, uh, Cape Fusion. Cape Fusion won two international awards. It was the uh, most innovative chef's book for uh, 2015 and then also most, uh, um, uh, it was your know, most innovative chef's book, and it was a uh, top South African chef book published that year. So uh, that was kind of fun. And always like trying to move the bar there. We did a series of videos with QR codes, with, you know, recipes and that. So a lot, lot more fun. And obviously TV experience always comes in handy. Um, lately I've been doing a bit of work with Barry Hilton, which is a lot of fun. Uh, he keeps your funny bone t uh, tweet. Well, Shane, I must say that we all certainly became gourmands and we all became, uh, you know, these uh, domestic goddesses because we were forced to go out and do interesting things. And there's a lot of pressure. I was at a tea party the other day for a friend who was having a big birthday and the tables were groaning. I felt like Alice in Wonderland because there was at least 10 types of cake and sure. the most innovative savory snack and i thought to myself my goodness this is a garden tea party in a little suburb in cape town but when i look around everything that people have done they just went above and beyond and it was very very special and i think that people are re-appreciating the, the finer things which are you know going back to growing things in the garden. We started a little subsistence garden in our, in our home during lockdown because we discovered that there were three families on our street that were without jobs sure. and uh, no source of income. So we created this open community garden and we continue it. So right now there's bananas that are ready to harvest. There's some beautiful lemons, the, the guavas are coming. And of course, all my herbs are now from the garden. Wonderful. Phenomenal. That's beautiful. And that feeling of being, uh, and I, I don't need to preach to the converted, but that feeling of being able to create something from scratch, you know, the whole farm to table, mm. and then enjoy it. And there's a distinctly different taste when things are from your garden and when they are mass grown. I, I taste it, absolutely. I agree with you without a doubt. Um, my mom is from the Seychelles Islands and she installed that in me from a very early age, you know, um, you know, being able to, get, to pick fruit from the garden, bring it to the table, you know where it comes from. Um, there's, yeah, there, there's no, there is nothing better than that, you know, and obviously the pure ingredients, like with our cooking in, at La Pentola, we, everything is real butter, fresh cream, fresh herbs, um, and then obviously locally sourced, uh, lowest carbon footprint as possible. You know, um, the blessing in Hermanus, obviously, is the fishermen drive straight to me. We have that fresh fish comes out of the boat, literally is in my restaurant within a, what, a 25-kilometer drive, which is How incredible. How phenomenal is that? Mm. 
And I'm noticing also, Shane, and please tell me if that's something that's a direction that you're moving in. Um, I was on a tour where Farmer Angus actually took us through the gardens and spoke to us about grazing and how how the meat comes to be in that package, you know. Yes. Um, and also the gardens in Stellenbosch. And it was so amazing because I grew up in a home where we had lots and lots of land space. And I grew up thinking we were fabulously wealthy, but we were not because we were a family of eight and there were always relatives coming to stay with us. But my mom created this amazing garden and she cooked from the garden. So pots were always simmering and lots of food to eat. And, you know, I thought, wow, we really do live well. But it was a, a, a concept in my head because if we had to put that in commercial terms, uh, we were not very wealthy. <laughs> yeah, but abundance, I mean, abundance of food means there's an abundance for of, of, of life, you know, that you share as a family. So, Absolutely. So, um, and, and there's nothing more delicious than some lentils with some rice and a beautiful sauce, you know, and it does, food doesn't have to cost a fortune, you know. It, absolutely. It's, uh, if it's made from the heart, that's the good stuff, yeah? Yeah, absolutely, Shane. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about La Pentola. I know the Johannesburg one has been running for a long time, but your Hermanus operation is really one of those must-dos, like breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, well, when one comes to Hermanus, so please tell us what the what the menu looks like. Well, the menu we we have everything from obviously locally sourced seafood. We have abalone. Uh, we try and keep in Cape Rock lobster at all times uh, when available. Uh, beautiful, um, beautiful, um, uh, say four week matured rum steaks. Uh, we carry a little bit of game because game obviously is hormone-free, extremely healthy and beautiful. So we have springbok, we have warthog, and we have ostrich on our menu. And then we have such a wealth of lovely vegetarian dishes and pastas. So there really is something for everybody. That's just phenomenal, Shane. I mean, so many choices. Um, I love that because we often you know, have a communal table and share the meals so that we can get to taste lots of different things that uh, that you do. But I think also the great thing about your restaurant is that it overlooks Walker Bay and you've got amazing views. Yeah. So tell us what a typical morning view is like for you. Look, this was my lifetime dream to have a restaurant by the ocean. Um, and at, at the end of the recession, 2009, moved down. I spent a year and a half on a wine estate called La Vierge in the Himalada Valley, which was epic. But every morning I would turn off, drive down the valley, but in the opposite direction of the ocean. And it's not what I came for. So the opportunity opened up for me to get the, the, the venue, uh, which overlooks Walker Bay. It's a first floor restaurant. Uh, so my wife and I, Janet, jumped at it. And we, we committed, uh, threw everything into the restaurant. So the ideal day, you open the, the, the door, you walk in, and as you walk into the restaurant, you're just struck with this 180-degree sea view, beautiful view of the mountains as well. Um, some mornings you're blessed, um, and you'll see uh, a, a pod of dolphins going past, sometimes up to 120, 150 dolphins. Some mornings you're lucky to catch that lone seal which is hanging around looking for something to eat. Uh, during the, uh, the winter period, say from about July, the southern right whales arrive um, in Hermanus, 
and then this is the birthing place of the southern right whales. So in that time period, sort of from July up until end of November, you're blessed with whales breaching. Uh, you see the 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 mothers showing the calves how to how to do the moves to prepare for the long journey um, home, and basically uh, that's that's what you're blessed with. When the drains, no fear. We close the windows. You still have that beautiful view. Um, and uh, none of the breeze and then in the summer open up the windows and the evenings are just so precious when there's full moon the full moon cuts straight across the bay lights up that water it's absolutely magical you have to come and visit those are some of the reasons why la pencila is a must 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 do when you visit hermanas wow shane i'm sold if you've got any other questions janet i have got a bit of time and then i need to rush into a 80 people brunch so, <laughs> what's on the menu? Yes, uh, my question is, what's on the menu? What's on the menu today? Uh, I'm doing uh, I'm doing this really interesting uh, Cajun style chicken salad, uh, with, prepared with uh, these these new type of tangerines, uh, segmented, uh, beautiful fresh blueberries, creating a, a honey dressing with nuts and sesame seeds, that kind of thing. Uh, then we ser then we're serving uh, uh, some baby marrow capachos, thin sliced baby marrow. Uh, a little bit of uh, chili, olive oil, um, uh, feta, and parmesan, and then that is that is oven oven uh, that's oven baked till crisp, served hot. Absolutely delicious. That marrow is like, oh, you can't even describe. Then we're doing one of my other little dishes where we're doing a, uh, a halloumi cheese, uh, strawberries uh, tossed through with a bit of fresh mint, olive oil, and lemon. Hint of sugar just added, poured over the halloumi. That's divine. Chicken livers, basil port, cream uh, uh, sauce. Um, we're going to be doing a little bit of uh, magic mushrooms. Mushrooms which have been cooked in a port with garlic and butter, topped with parmesan crumbs, gratinated in the oven. Um, we're going to be doing a combination of different breads. My house bread, mushroom and caper bread, which is absolutely delicious. Uh, some mussels in a, a leek, uh, white wine, fresh cream sauce. Uh, with a little bit of fresh thyme inside. Uh, what else are we serving? There's that. And, uh, oh, yes, and I'm finishing off with this magical dessert with caramelized popcorn, uh, creme brulee, um, ice cream, and uh, shards of sugar with a, a sort of decadent uh, coffee uh, chocolate condensed milk sauce. But uh, on a, if I can add, just leave like a closing thing, sure. uh, just in reference to what Barry spoke about as well. Um, I think all of us, all of us have faced uh, issues with depression um, and, and, and things in life uh, where, where, where things are quite overwhelming. Um, but, you know, the, if you're blessed to have a family with you, focus on your family, focus on the love that you have for one another. And then and also just focus on, on healing yourself. Um, I, w I went through a, a life changing experience a few years ago where I got quite ill and I, I must have lost as a chef, I lost about 67 kilograms, and it was such a transformation in the time I did yoga and for the first time actually invested time in, in learning a bit about myself and, 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 and trying to re, 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 um, revisit who I am. And, uh, you know, as, as daunting, as scary as these things may seem, um, there's only only but light and beauty at the end. So no matter how hard the journey or how dark it is, just follow through. Have faith in God that he'll carry you through. 
and uh, yeah, it's you know, you're only alone. Everyone is just a phone call away from having someone to talk to. So, so yeah, don't don't ever suffer in silence. Rather verbalize and and let people know you need a bit of help, um, because that's why we're here. We're here to help one another. So yeah, that's it from me. So we're chatting this morning with Michael G. And I love, I love um, the classics and I love old school vinyl. So it's a great pleasure for me to have Michael on the show with us. You know, people who love vinyl are purists. And uh, Michael started out on the dance music scene in the early 90s. So it sounds like he and I are probably contemporaries. And he was a young DJ playing in nightclubs and events all over South Africa. And he's got quite a successful career. I mean, to bag a Sama, a South African Music Award uh, nomination, is quite a thing. So he's seen as a pioneer in the um, South African dance music industry. And his career has spanned over three decades in, in the industry. It's wonderful to chat to somebody. You know, there's a certain quality about vinyl. It's, uh, it's romantic but not in the love sense. It's romantic because it harks back to a forgotten era. And I'm really looking to chatting with uh, Michael and welcome Michael onto the show. Hi, uh, Janet. Thank you for, and, uh, for welcoming me. It's a pleasure. It's a big pleasure to have you with us, Michael. So being a Strictly Vinyl DJ is quite a thing. You probably have somewhat of a cult following um, and lots and lots of purists who follow you because vinyl is a pure kind of experience. And uh, I don't know much about it, except that I know that it is, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that people aspire to, they go in search of. Uh, but you're the expert, so you're going to tell us about what Strictly Vinyl is all about. Um, I think, like, everybody has come across certain vinyls in their lives, and they all have vinyls at home, or even DJs, where they can say, hey, I play vinyl, but with me, I'm a very purist, you know, I come from way back in the day from the nineties. So I've got all that collection and I'm, I'm relevant till today, meaning I'm playing all the latest and I'm pushing forward the lifestyle and the movement in the format of vinyl and DJing with vinyl. So, um, yeah, and I'm doing a lot on that, um, platform and that is my thing. And, um, that's what I'm about. It's going on now for 31, 32 years that I've been um, at this. It's my passion. It's my love. Um, yeah, and and I'm here still today. So and I'm trying to keep going, and then do what I love. It's a very humble life. Uh, we, we live from what we love doing. So you know, we go day by day, and uh, we do the best we can, and uh, we push what we love. And for me, it's vinyl. And um, yeah, I just keep going. That sounds great, Michael. So what does it mean to be a vinyl DJ? Actually, in real terms, mean? For me, it's not like I chose it. It kind of like chose me growing up, going to the club scenes and growing up with the music format of vinyl is something that captured me from, from when I was very young and it's stuck with me and it's something I fell in love with. And then when the change came about, when the formats changed to CD and now guys are onto USB and whatever's next, I never... I never connected with it and I didn't want to do that. I tried it a little bit in the beginning and I just felt lost. I like, if I'm going to do this, it's not going to be me. And I decided to stick with what I love. And it was a very hard decision because doing what I 
had to do to do like to live my life and and love what I do. It was difficult because I lost a lot of work in the industry with a new format of DJing and playing music was the CDs, and then now it's USB. So work got less and stuff. So I had to deal with a lot of new challenges because of the the lifestyle I chose to do and and DJ with, which is vinyl. And I dealt with it, and I just kept going. And today I still keep going, and that's my path. I don't actually any more look around me with DJs and other guys doing other formats, what they're about, because it's not about me. I just now focus on the vinyl, the lifestyle, and me, and the brand that kind of grew, kind of grew out and, and, and was born from, from COVID for me to try and get extra or like revenue that would like to survive in terms of making a, the brand work for me in terms of doing merchandise, et cetera. So, yeah, and that's just, um, I think it comes from your heart. You need to really love it. Um, it's very easy to chop and change. It's very easy to say no and stop and just take what's easy and what's more convenient and what's what's current and in flavor of the moment. But for me, like, if it's flavor or not, even now the word going around that vinyl is back and uh, it's kind of like a fashion thing to bring vinyl back, that's good and great for the vinyl format and the movement. But if it wasn't, I was still going to keep doing what I do in this vinyl. You know, I was just, you know, it's it, it, it's great that it's coming back in terms of like it's a fashion thing and people maybe getting tired of the, of seeing every day like DJs just playing the norm with the, you know, the, like the digital format. And because vinyl is very rare and it's a real art form of DJing, basically it's almost like an instrument because you're really DJing live. I mean, any mistake that you do, you, you'll hear it. It's like... Playing a guitar, you know, if you if you press a wrong string or note, it will come out. So, and digital's got a lot of advantages and benefits where it can help you and protect you in terms of DJing and sequencing and all that. But with vinyl, it's a it's a real pure form of of DJing, and uh, it's you a. You know what I believe, Michael? I believe that people are seeking authenticity, and they're wanting to go back to those things that remind them of a time when things were simpler. And when things, when we appreciated, you know, we, we got to a point where we were almost like on a hamster wheel before COVID. Because in working in the field that I do in the motor industry, I was spoiled for choice. I was going to vehicle launches and going to tourism events and people became almost spoiled because we got the most amazing gifting, we were courted, and then there was nothing. And then people would RSVP and they wouldn't pitch up, which I think is extremely rude. And now everything that we do, even a simple family dinner at home, we don't take, we don't take for granted at all because those people around the table could potentially have not been there. So this search for authenticity is also about getting in touch with things that feed your soul. And a lot of the people that we're chatting to on this show do things that feed their soul. They're full of passion for what it is that they do. They're a group of creatives. And that's why we're chatting to you this morning, because it really is an art form that is making a revival. And, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful because it's authentic. 100%. I feel your guest today. I mean, Barry, comedian, Shane, celebrity chef, myself, a DJ, we're just doing what we love. It's purely, purely about love. In order to survive in this industry and to survive the life that you choose, it, it, it has to be love because it's very easy to stop and change and just say you can't do this anymore because 
you're going to face a lot of struggles. As you know, there's a whole lot of hardships. People don't see behind the scenes what you go through. They only see the front when you perform in front of the people, everyone liking you. And, you know, but at the end of the day, we deal with a lot of demons and a lot of um, struggles that we can't talk about. It's just part of the industry that we have to deal with. And we work, well, I can speak for myself and I know your guests as well, work very hard on our craft. Like I work very, very hard on my craft um, just to be relevant till today, to compete with other DJs that are on other platforms that have got advantages over me. Because vinyl has is, is got a lot of disadvantages in terms of music. You don't get all the music that you want to play on on record because they don't press all the music, but yet you have to compete or perform, not compete, let me say perform with everyone else. And um, you work very hard. I don't think they realize how hard you work on your craft. And when you perform and you do such a professional display, it just seems like, you know, it's, you, well, you make it look easy because you're professional, but the work is there. Trust me, there's hours and hours of, of, of work and sacrifice and dedication and love and passion to keep doing it. Otherwise, I, there will be no other reason for you to do this and continue it because it's not about all these things that people are going for out in the world. It's purely passion. It's going to drive you and keep you and sustain you in the industry and keep you going throughout these years, especially like myself already over 30 years, 31, 32 years in the industry. You know, it hasn't been hunky-dory, it's, it's, but we do it with love and passion. And uh, I'm all about love. I give love and I'm buying on this. Henceforth, that's how my brand and my logo came out about Vinyl of Love, and uh, that's how it all started as well. And um, yeah, that's me. Still keeping and going and grooving and trying. <laughs> Everyone, I love it. I love it, Michael. Uh, I mean, I, just to, to make the declaration to say I'm all about love. There was a time when men wouldn't even say the word love and acknowledge that they need and, and that love has to be reciprocated. So you definitely are representative of uh, the new age man that us girls are just so loving because uh, we love men who are in touch with their feelings and can express themselves and are not afraid to communicate. And uh, so it's wonderful that you use this vinyl brand to get that messaging across. And I see that you've also started with some merchandising. So tell us a little bit about that as well, please. Yeah, like I mentioned a bit earlier, um, well, during COVID, like 2020, we were sitting around, you know, just trying to figure out what's next. Um, and then I had my um, this logo done for me that symbolizes me, Vinyl of Love, since 2014. And I thought I would do something with it in the near future. And while sitting there around 2020, I looked at it and I thought it's time to make something out of it. And um, the idea came about to to bring it to life and to start doing merchandise. I did caps, I did T-shirts, hoodies, beanies, bucket hats. I did a launch. It was very well received. A lot of people supported me. It helped me a bit, you know, throughout the difficult times when the revenue was a bit low or there was no revenue, you know, as an artist's life. There's months that you can do very well. There's months that you can do absolutely nothing, like nothing really comes through. So these type of things are like a side hustle, but also working in conjunction with who you are. Um, and still promote, still promoting you as a DJ and the brand and all that. It helps and 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 it keeps you going. Um, and that was something that um, I had to do actually, you know, to grow myself and the brand. Because now they all know me as Michael G slash Wine of Love, because they kind of associate with my brand. Because we kind of like it is one basically. And uh, yeah, and that's um, how it all started, and um, it's been going well. And uh, right now we sold out on basically everything and hopefully maybe this year I'll bring out a small limited edition 
for the new year of 2023 for people to enjoy something different, something new, if all goes well according to plan. But we'll see. We'll, we're taking it day by day, so we'll see. Well, we will certainly be watching this with great interest, Michael. And what a phenomenal piece of work it is that you're doing. I wish you all the best. And uh, I'm, I wish you many hours of vinyl. Really, it is the best. So thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for creating, uh, shining the spotlight on, on uh, you know, an entrepreneurial journey, which is outside of the norm. It certainly is brave because you create audiences everywhere you go. But then again, when I think about it, it's no different from a chef um, who is creating new dishes, you know, hoping that his, his audience is going to love it and creating new combinations. So well done. And thank you for joining us this morning, Michael G. I really, really am going to start looking for you on Instagram and telling my friends and uh, yeah, you might have some some new followers very soon, and our listeners also. You know, it's a kind of station where there's a lot of purists. So, looking forward to engaging with you further. Thank you, um, Janet. Just to close off, I want to touch on the topic that Barry was talking about: depression and how it goes with this industry. It's very real, and a lot of people feel too proud to talk about it. But a lot of people suffer from it, even in, like including myself at one point, especially when. T- 2020 came about because um, we expect so much and we feel we deserve so much. And when things don't happen, you really go into a dark space. And mm-hmm. I think you look into yourself and love yourself. And just for me, I'm very spiritual. So um, it's all about God and helping and leading and guiding and helping you through your demons and helping through your dark days. But there's nothing wrong, you know, to 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 talk about it because a lot of people are shamed and um, embarrassed. But it's it's a real thing that happens with artists because out there we always loved when we perform, people thinking, wow, these guys are having the life. Look at the people throwing their hands in it. But after that, you kind of like alone. Like Barry says, you go mm-hmm. to the hotel room, you sit by yourself, and you think, what what, what, what happened? And uh, they don't know that what you're going through, especially after the COVID and during the COVID, when things really just like shut down, um, I'm sure a lot of people faced um, depressions in the entertainment industry because there's nothing coming through and we couldn't see a light. So just, you know, love yourself, believe in yourself and um, just keep your head down and just try and go through day by day. And then, yeah, we all go through storms, but have faith that, you know, the sun will come tomorrow and that's how we're going to get through this. Michael, I just love that you are brave enough to stand up and say that and to share that because a lot of people don't and they hide behind it. And it makes everybody else who's going through the same feel like there's something more than wrong with them. But normalizing conversations around mental health is really what is going to help us as a society to pivot. And, and you know, we've had a black swan, but there's lots of other black swans that will come along in our lifetimes, uh, whatever the size and shape of the challenge. Uh, it's definitely out there. So building that resilience by having profound conversations like this is really going to help all of us. So thank you, Michael, and thank you for your message. Thank you for your super cool man, oh man, super cool vinyl brand. I just love it, and I wish you all the best with it. Thank you very much. Thank you for um, having me. It's a big pleasure, Michael. All the best and a great weekend ahead for you. So, Pongani, we're very happy to have you as part of our show on Magic 8 to 8. We're focusing on the creative industry 
and we've covered restaurants and DJs, you know, old school vinyl. We've uh, talked to theater professionals. And here's Hugh, here's you, the head of marketing for the Johannesburg Theater. What a wonderful addition to our show. And you are coming to the tail end of the run at the Artscape Theater of Kunene and the King, one of those iconic productions that really, 25 years later, the conversation remains relevant and remains integral to the South African condition. Bongani, welcome to Jet Setting with Janet. Such a pleasure to have you on the show with us on Magic 828. Please tell us, how do you go from the Johannesburg Theatre to Marketing Kunene and the King? Uh, thank you so much for having me. Such an honour and a privilege. Um, so we, we met with John um, when I was introduced to Dr. John. Um, and I obviously working for the Joburg Theatre and it was the first time we're doing Kunan and the King. And uh, it has been such a great pleasure and an awesome privilege as well. Um, we, we started here at Joburg Theatre. We moved to Durban at the Playhouse. We then did Stellenbosch. And now we're in Cape Town and our next one will be in, in Pretoria. So it's been such a pleasure to just walk around, not even travel around, you know, and experience the different patrons that are coming through and to uh, people that appreciate the arts, which for me is is, is, is is such a pleasure to find people that really appreciate the arts. So, yeah, it's Absolutely, man. Bongani. You know, besides just the arts, uh, Dr. John Carney is one of those iconic people in the yeah. in the South African story, he's part of such an important narrative with the creative arts in South Africa. We we've seen him on international stages, and he's that that glass ceiling person, you know, who's pushed yeah. boundaries and entered into spaces that were previously just not accessible to the creatives. And he's made uh, being on stage and being part of the international stage almost a norm rather than the exception. And, uh, you know, when I saw him on stage the other night, I said, oh, my God, this man is still so fine. He's not aged. He looks so well. He's so fit. And, uh, you know, he's so full of that uh, creative vigor and to hold that entire production. I don't know how long the production lasts, but it honestly felt like 10 minutes to me. And the presence and the the sort of chemistry between him and Michael Reader, I mean, it was just phenomenal. Look, Michael is so phenomenal. After Anthony share, and I think Dr. Kani also struggled to find... Uh, somebody who will stand out. But Michael just came in and he took it forth and it's been amazing. He's exceptional, you know? So it's, it's yeah. So and, and the relationship between them is also amazing. You find there's yes. two guys that on stage, they, they've got chemistry on stage, they've got chemistry as well. So it's, it's That's been amazing. phenomenal. Yeah. Now... There's a there's quite an interesting backstory to Michael. Michael plays yeah. a patient who is terminally ill. He's got stage four cancer, and he is drinking 
drinking profusely and just throwing caution to the wind. And John, Dr. John Carney plays um, Lunga Kunene, who is uh, a retired healthcare professional um, who's now called back through an agency to assist as a live-in um, nurse almost to to Michael. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's yeah. you know, yeah. and and in this in this whole paradigm, Michael is so excited because he's expecting a, a Miss Kuhn, whom he thinks is <laughs> sexy and blonde and coming in a in a nursing outfit, and he's quite surprised to find that the sister is actually male, a male nurse, and so he has to <laughs> he has to come to terms with uh, with that. So there's a the you know they're touching on the gender issue and then there's also the conversation about how you know the fragility of life because yeah. somebody is incredibly ill but in all of this darkness in all of the sadness and disappointment there's a love and the love for Shakespeare is what brings these two men together and yeah. eventually they become friends yeah yeah so so what what's amazing is that um the production is set in South Africa in the tw- 2019, I think 2019, yeah. So, you know, it's just post certain times. And um, th- what I love about this production is that it shows that it doesn't matter your color, your gender, we can always find something common within us. And we can find grounds where we can work together, you know. I mean, when, when Sister Kuhn walks in, um, Jack Morris is quite flabbergasted because he expected a white lady, beautiful blonde woman to take care of him and maybe walk with him throughout his cancer journey. And there's, there's this lovely gentleman who is a retired nurse who dreamt of becoming a doctor but couldn't even um, pursue his studies as a doctor and decided to go as a nurse. And the chemistry is so so amazing. I mean, they share the love for, for Shakespeare and within the play, they recite the Shakespeare plays. So it's a play playing a play, you know? So yes. it's amazing. Yeah, creatively. There's a subtext. Done. There's definitely a yeah. subtext in there. Yeah, yeah it's amazing what, uh, what a common goal and a common purpose mm. or interest results in because these are two completely diverse men completely diverse and they've come together and and you know it's like their story their narrative develops and it centers around shakespeare so it's it's quite a beautiful story it's not it's not irrelevant to today as we speak because we're still discovering each other you know we definitely and I always so say the, 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 yeah. the population grows every day and it's upon um, every one of us to learn to live with one another, to learn to understand each other, even if we don't learn to love each other, but we learn to understand each other, learn to understand each other's cultures. And in this play, we see exactly that, that two men come into one room, share space, and then start to have an understanding of one another because um, Lunga talks about how it feels to be black in this country at this time. And Michael talks about how it feels to be white in this country at this time. 
and they all have some similarities and the love of uh, Shakespeare bounds them together and makes them, you know, overcome a lot of things. And, you know, if, 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 uh, if somebody is going through a cancer journey is, you know, you need to make every moment matter because, you know, it could be your last day today. I mean, you and I could be our last day as well today, but what I love mm-hmm. about them is that they embrace that and they make moments matter. You know, every moment that they live together, they love, they dance, they, 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 you know, they go through grief and they force each other to, to talk about how it is to go through what you're going through at this time of the day, which is so amazing. Yes. And I think that uh, the chemistry that they create is really quite electric because we don't, we don't keep time. We just feel their energy and we run with it. And it's, yeah. it's quite phenomenal. But we don't want to give too much away. We want people to go and see the production. And Bongani, I think that the Cape Town run was way too short. You know, <laughs> before our heads even spun around, you guys were done and packing up and tomorrow's the last show. Are there yeah. plans to come back to Cape Town? Because I've told so many people about the production and they are excited and would love to go and see it. So are there negotiations underway to come back to Cape Town? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, negotiations are underway because such warmth and love and support that we receive from Cape Town. I mean, our patrons were That's amazing. How we roll from That's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> and I was shocked because, you know, every joke, sometimes when we go through other theatres, and, you know, there are jokes about black and white um, issues, race issues, mm-hmm. and people are scared to laugh, you know? But in Cape Town, we enjoyed it because people were laughing, people were engaging, people were yes. listening attentively, you know what I mean? And they love theatre. These are people that wake up and love theatre. So definitely no, we, they are we dress up and we show up for the theatre. We just love it. We absolutely Most definitely. Do. Look, and I, I if you was looked around was... the room, if you looked around yeah. the room on any given night, you'd see people who've been in theater in mm. some form or shape, either backstage mm. or in lighting or in yeah. marketing or in production yeah. or they've been yeah. journalists, but they continue to keep their love affair alive yeah. with the theater. And that's wonderful. And talking about love affairs, Bongani, there was an amazing woman who was the thread that held, that sort of took us from one scene to the next. And oh. she was just phenomenal. Uh, who is this and, and where is she from and how did you guys discover her? So Lumisa Plakis is from Langa in Cape Town, most amazing singer. Right. She plays indigenous um, instruments, right? Instruments that I have a challenge or rather it's very challenging to pronounce sometimes but she plays them so wonderfully well and she sings so well so she's amazing. It's amazing she honestly is amazing you know she brought a magical quality a welcome surprise all this male energy fighting out on stage and here she is just gentle and you know lilting and taking us to yeah. another level we didn't even experience, we didn't even feel the scene changes because yes. she just navigated us through all of that. And I'm so super excited to hear that she is a local sister 
And I'm definitely yeah. going to look her up. And I'm sure that yeah. she does corporate gigs, etc. You know, she really yeah. is yeah. an asset yeah. and um, she needs to be developed for sure. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And what I loved about her in, within the show, the play itself, is that when there's um, scene change, she still tells the story through music. So you follow her where yeah. she will tell the story through through her music. And then they, you know, we, we change scene and you know where you are immediately. I mean, when when they change from, uh, from, from Johannesburg, to to Soweto, she spoke about she 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 sang about pardon me she sang about about um the changes that happens and the rain and one day you'll overcome where you are you'll see a different story you'll see different people and it's upon us to learn to understand each other's culture and boom we are in Soweto immediately you know yeah, she's amazing she's an amazing powerful. singer yeah that was pretty powerful. Well, Bongani, all I can say is that uh, it was definitely for me what Oprah would call an aha moment, uh, meeting Dr. John Carney and Michael um, and being there. I mean, Janice Honeyman has been the fiber of the theater world for many, many moons. And to see her there, you know, continuing to be productive and creative was really so uplifting. And uh, all I can say is that there's a special, special energy that follows this production. I hope that the special energy I'm sending to you brings the production back to Cape Town for another run. Because let me tell you, people from universities and schools have to see this production. It's a a dialogue that is so relevant. And uh, I'm sure you you guys got standing ovations. Every single night, because the night every that I was, night, I call you. We just, we were just propelled, and we stood up. There was no doubt. Nobody looked yeah. around the room to see who else is standing up. We were just propelled. We were so moved and inspired. So definitely, room for a wider audience in the Western Cape, mm-hmm. and uh, you have to go to the small towns like Darling. Go and play at. Avita Saparon, Tania Avita will be so pleased. What great synergies you guys will have. And then go to the Fugard because it's a historic space and, uh, you know, a a very special connection also for Dr. John Carney. So lots and lots of, lots and lots of, um, love from Cape Town to you guys, uh, the team behind Kunene and the King. And and we bow down to the king and all of his subjects who've made the run in Cape Town so, so phenomenal. All the best for the last night tomorrow. And uh, thank you. Thank you for this production. It's a, it's a love letter to South Africa. Ah, oh, thank you so, so much. You don't understand what that means to me and to us and to the team. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And definitely... We'll be on our way back to Cape Town. Uh, it's because of the love that you guys have given us. Have showed us forward. We us. are looking forward. All the best, Bongani, yeah. and what a pleasure to chat to you on Jet Setting with Janet. It's really phenomenal and so great that you could fit into our slot on the creative industries. Exactly. All the best and chat again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care, Bongani. Great weekend ahead for you. Sure. 
This weekly travel program, Jet Sitting with Janet, is proudly sponsored by MLT Car Hire and Tours. Are you looking for a highly professional, established vehicle rental service? Look no further. MLT Car Hire and Tours delivers on service excellence and competitive prices. Log on to mltcarhireandtours.co.za for their full range of benefits or MLT Car Hire and Tours on Facebook.